and welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. Today is Friday, September 7th. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Fridays are reserved for in-depth interviews, and today I have two gentlemen from EMX Royalties. EMX uh, trades on the TSX and the NYSE under the symbol EMX. And with me today, I have Dr. Eric Jensen, who's the general manager of Exploration, and their investment relations guru, Mr. Scott Close. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to talk to you. Well, I appreciate your time, and I know a number of our listeners are familiar with EMX royalties, but we do have, we're always looking for new listeners and people who are just maybe dabbling into the junior resource market. Can you describe EMX's business model from project generator to royalty generation as well? How is that model different than other royalty companies? Okay, we we utilize a very unique business model where we utilize prospect generation to organically build our royalty portfolio. So uh, Eric is actually one of the uh, um, prime generators of properties around the globe. And so every time we uh, um, generate a new property, then we do some basic inexpensive exploration on that, i.e. no drilling, or typically no drilling, or very little drilling, because that's very expensive. And then once we find enough uh, smoke um, or fire, otherwise um, mineralization or signs of mineralization, then we try to entice another company to come in and pick up that project. Uh, and they can gain 100% um, project equity in that very quickly. And then we hold on to a royalty on the backside, and they are charged with advancing that property. And then we hold back a royalty on the property. And if that property goes into production, then we're going to capture that royalty cash flow. So largely, we're building our royalty portfolio organically from our own host of projects, as opposed to the conventional royalty business model, where you write big checks to acquire royalties and likely borrow a lot of money to do so. Uh, That's an expeditious way of building a royalty portfolio, uh, but obviously that is very capital-intensive and entails more risk because you put tremendous amounts of capital at risk there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That being said, we do acquire royalties, Um, when we can find those at favorable pricing valuations, and we like to use our shares as the primary currency to affect those transactions in lieu of uh, draining the treasury. Okay. And, Scott, I know you have a number of different uh, properties and projects uh, within that portfolio. What's the exact number today that... I think right now between uh, properties that are in the hands of partners, royalties... Uh, royalty properties and properties that are available for partnership. I believe we have 92 properties right okay. now around the world. So I want to take those 92 properties and turn them over to to turn that question over to Eric. Eric, as a geologist, yeah. you know, a number. One of the things that we hear in the investment side is, you know, if you're looking at investing in a property and say it has a specific type of uh, deposit, whether it be epithermal or porphyry. People, investors suggest that you make sure that geologist is experienced in that specific type of deposit. But in this case, you're working with 92 different properties and I've probably a number of different types of deposits. So how do you balance 
that work uh, as the general manager of exploration and as a geologist, uh, and what are the challenges with, with doing so? Yeah, Trevor, it's about people. And uh, we have developed through the years, EMX has been doing this for a long time, uh, we've been conducting prospect generation around the world for about 15 years. And in that course of that, uh, uh, that experience, we developed a pretty extensive network of not only geologists, but one of the things that EMX looks for in people are geologists have an entrepreneurial spirit. Because at the end of the day, we're a business. At the beginning of the day, we're a business, actually. We treat it like that. We're always looking for opportunities that we think capitalize uh, yeah, high months of value for EMX and our shareholders. And through the years, we've built up a pretty good team with uh, extensive expertise in multiple deposit types. Now, we don't have complete exposure to all the commodities because we follow our people. And so we look to the people we have in the various uh, business units around the world. We capitalize and focus on their expertise. If they're very good at porphyries, orogenic load load systems, or epithermals, we will follow the expertise we've built in-house. And then when we construct business units, we specifically target individuals that we identify that have the capacity to act in this entrepreneurial fashion, and we look for specific types of expertise. And so EMX certainly has a focus globally on copper and gold deposits, but we have people in our company that are really good at, say, like VMS deposits, more polymetallic things, and we add those to our portfolio as well. But it's completely opportunistic, and it's driven by the talent and the people we have on our team and and a global sort of wingspan. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want. Obviously, we can't go over all of those properties that are in the portfolio, but I did want to hit on two that I think are of a pretty timely interest right now. Uh, and the first one I wanted to ask about was is Malmish in uh, in in Siberia. Um, can you give us any update on uh, Malmish? And I know there was a news release that was put out. I believe it was in June regarding. Uh, selling uh, EMX's interest uh, in that property for $68 million. Um, just curious, is that, uh, uh, is that acquisition at any risk of uh, not closing? And when, when and if it does close, what does EMX plan to do with that cash? Good question. This is a key value driver for us in 2018, of course. And I want to emphasize this is one one, one asset in a pretty giant portfolio that's been growing continuously through time, but it's an important one, obviously, and it's one that people have certainly are, are, are focusing on at this point. So, yeah, middle of June, June 14th, we made an announcement that IG Copper, of whom we're the largest shareholder, uh, EMX is the largest shareholder, uh, has signed a, a definitive share purchase agreement for the sale of the asset to the Russian Copper Company, who is a company that, that is looking to acquire these types of assets. And so it was a really good strategic fit in terms of a partner that's looking for the kind of, uh, of uh, d- deposit this is and the asset that IGC wanted to sell. And so, of course, our interest is being carried along with that sale, and the, pro- the net proceeds to EMX, or we estimate, will be in the order of $68 million U.S. I want to emphasize that's U.S. dollars, so roughly $100 million Canadian, somewhere in that, that quantum. And uh, we announced in that uh, press release that a number of things needed to take place prior to the closing of that transaction, which was anticipated to take place in Q3. It's now Q3, and I can say that um, everything is on track. Uh, Both sides, I believe, I think it's obvious that both sides are very eager to complete this transaction, and we're moving toward uh, toward that step at this point. So everything looks, uh, from our perspective, everything looks good at this point. I encourage people to keep uh, watching for our, our news releases, and we'll have 
updates uh, of any any significant developments. But right now, everything is proceeding as expected. In that uh, press release in June, we had mentioned that they had to, to complete some uh, a process of due diligence and certain steps had to be completed. Everything's on schedule. So it's going according to plan right now, and uh, everyone's pretty comfortable with the progress made so far. And we're getting close. So, yeah, uh, yeah all of us are eager to make that announcement when, in, when, when the day comes. Well, I know leading up, leading up to this, I mean, it was, it was stated through conversation and also through you know, investor discussions and dialogue that this could be transformational for your company, for EMX Royalty. Can we, can you hit a, a little bit, either Scott or Eric, can you hit on why this is so transformational? Is it just the dollar amount and what will you do with that money to make it really live up to that, you know, that blue sky there? Well, I think it's a lot more than that. And I'll tell you why. Uh, for, a number of years, we've been talking about some of these key value drivers in our portfolio, Malmish being one example. There's a whole series of these things we have in our portfolio that we think are fundamentally undervalued or not reflecting our current valuation. Uh, our, our, our Serbian royalty, for example, and the uh, upside potential we see in the Levo royalty being other examples of, of that as well. And I think that some of the people in the investor community have been saying, okay, well, prove it to us. And when we can take the steps as we're about to take with Malmish to demonstrate to the, the, the investment community that we can um, crystallize uh, the value that we see in these assets, that's an important step for the company. So this goes way beyond just the cash value of a transaction. It's a demonstration that the business model works very well and that we bring in some of our proceeds through time are going to be lumpy as we go through asset sales like this. Uh, the last few years, we've monetized a number of assets to avoid having to finance in the uh, in the open in the public market, and this is another example of that. So, okay, so this is a a significant transaction along those lines. But I think it's more more of a demonstration of how we execute our business model that should give us value beyond just the the, the cash value of the transaction. And uh, to, and to answer a question you asked uh, in, in a, just a little bit previous to this, uh, what we're going to do with the money? We're going to be really wise shepherds with this money. And as you're aware right now, the, ex, you know, the, the industry and the market's a bit soft. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you can enter a market like this, when, you have, when you're well capitalized, there's a lot of opportunities that you can, you can look at. And we, we intend to be opportunistic and to take advantage of the downturn, the current downturn in the market. There's a number of really clever things we believe we can do with this money. But first and foremost... We want to maintain and protect the Treasury because we want to be well-capitalized on a go-forward basis. So we're going to make good decisions with this money. Uh, we, Many of our business units around the world that do the target generation are approaching cash flow neutra- neutrality or they're generating income for the company. And so we look at the expiration business not as a cost center but a, a way to, to not only generate value but at some point also to uh, – to create uh, cash flow revenues for the company. And the business units, as they mature, as deals progress in the later years, uh, sums of, uh, the sums of the, the, the um, transactional uh, payments that are, that are coming due in our various agreements around the world start to add up to significant figures. And so these will become uh, value generation devices in addition to their, their, their ability to intrinsically build value in our exploration and royalty portfolio. So you did uh, earlier. You did mention Serbia, which sounds like you're pretty uh, pretty positive on as well. And I did want to ask you about that because of uh, uh, well, a couple of, you know mergers and acquisitions that happened earlier this week. And I just wanted to ask you about any impl- implementation implications that might have with EMX. 
But let's go back and talk about the, uh, pardon me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but the Brestovetch West, uh, which uh, has gone through a number of hands since you, EMX originally sold that to Reservoir Capital Corp, but through that um, there was a net smelter uh, return royalty of 2% on the gold and 1%, um, or 2% of gold and silver and 1% on other metals. But that's also gone through a number of hands since it was taken over by Nevson Resources, which, as we know this week, is probably going to be acquired by Zision. Uh, and this all is in, in Nevson is in a joint venture with Freeport uh, in the Timic area within, uh, within Serbia. So I just was curious to see, uh, you know, how closely is EMX paying attention to all this uh, with the, proxi- with the uh, work they do with Nevson, with the proximities within the Timic range, and is that having implement- implement- implications excuse me, on, um, on that royalty stream there? Yeah, I want to be clear about the nature of the royalties. So the Brestibox West license that you're referring to was an EMX project that was sold to Reservoir Capital uh, right. years ago, back I mean, 2006. We retained those, the, the split royalty, the 2%, 1% royalty on that ground. Uh, the big discovery made in that district, Chikuro Peke, and the porphyry system at Timok was made just off that license position to the east. But as an illustration of how we execute our business model, we knew of a small royalty that was held by a company called Euromax on that adjacent license. Now, we didn't own that, that license originally. It was owned by a company called Euromax. But we knew that they kept a small royalty. And so uh, we bought that royalty a few years ago. And that was, uh, that was, I think, I can't remember which year it was, maybe 2013. We purchased that royalty, uh, maybe 2014, at a nominal fee early in the discovery history of uh, Chikru Peke. Since then, Chikru Peke and the porphyry deposit at Timok have grown into this significant you know, discovery and resource and we hold a, a royalty, a small royalty over over those uh, those assets as well. So yeah, we're eager to see those go to production. Sure, uh, but is there is any is there any workings with Nevson right now um, within the portfolio within your within your royalties package that um, is up for discussion with the acquisition from Zision this week? No, the uh, that royalty is effectively hard baked into the uh, into the. Uh, the assets. So yeah, Zision will inherit, will, has taken over, will be taken over now. So if that goes to, if that, uh, that transaction closes and yeah, we're, we're eager to, and our royalty will still be uh, in a, in effect, obviously at the close of that transaction as well. We'll have a new royalty partner in that case, but we're eager to see that go to production because that means we'll start receiving payments, uh, royalty payments. And, uh, Zijin, from what we can tell is a very adept partner. They have a lot of minds in production. They know what they're doing. And uh, they're very well capitalized. And so, yeah, we're eager to see them continue on the path that Epson was on. You know, they, they started decline at Shakura Peke. That was announced back in June. And uh, they're slated for development in our initial production, I believe, at 2022. Okay. So we're, this should not interrupt that. This should, if, if anything, may accelerate it, given uh, Zijin's experience in the mining business. And, and one other interesting note is that people may not realize this, but Zijin also just won the tender to acquire the smelter at Bor, which is just to the north of, of the Chikuru, Peki, and Timok project. So they were going to acquire the Bor complex with its smelter 
now you've got a bunch of high-grade sulfide-rich mineralization that will feed right into that. So that's now a cons will be a consolidated play of these transactions for the completion. So we're excited about that. This is an adept partner who hopefully will will bring the project to production. That's what we want to see for our royalty yeah. interest. Yeah, no, that, that's very interesting. Does EMX does EMX have any um, past experience working with Zision? No, this this will be a new uh, yeah new exposure to them. Um, so yeah, we're yeah we're. We're obviously hoping for the uh, hoping for the best for them, and we hope that they can keep on this accelerated uh, pathway to production. Okay. We expect that's why they acquired the asset. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to move on to something real quick, and we don't have to spend much time on it. But I do. Sure, want... can, can I add one additional detail there? Oh yeah, please do. Uh, you know, back to Best of Us West, the license that's immediately adjacent to uh, Chikurupeki to the west, where we have the higher the higher royalty percentages. That is incredibly prospective ground there. We had some really nice drill results there back before we sold that project to Reservoir, which now is incorporated into the broader TMOC land package. And we expect that as exploration continues, we're, we would, uh, yeah, we're hopeful that there will be a discovery in that ground, too, that will give us an even greater uh, share of royalty uh, payments in the future on that project. So, yeah, that's really uh, highly prospective real estate there. Yeah. There's a lot of discoveries that'll, that'll, that, are, that are to come in that ground, we believe. Very good. I wanted to ask you about Leeville uh, real quickly, which you, which on your website says it's the key company asset uh, for EMX, uh, and obviously for Newmont, it's uh, it seems like the gift that keeps on giving there in Nevada. Um, but I was just we were just curious what the timing on royalty uh, on any royalty footprint expansion might be there uh, under Leeville. Is there any idea if that might happen? Yeah, good, good question. Um... They, obviously, there's been some interesting exploration results that Newmont has announced in the past few years, and that some of their better global exploration results uh, were from areas on that Leeville license. And they've been putting a lot of money into into the you know, development of the, the new turret ventilation and production shaft, and they're putting a lot of capital into development of that particular area. So, yeah, we expect that will continue to grow with time. There's a lot of upside there. We didn't acquire that just for the current production rate. Uh, we had made, that was a strategic acquisition by EMX a few years ago now of something we believe had a lot of exploration upside. And now we're seeing with the drill results that have been announced in the last few years, I think that's starting to become a reality. That's also been a very steady cash contributor to the EMX. It's been a nice uh, uh, continuing, a continuous addition to our bottom line in terms of supply and cash flow. Sure, sure. That will continue. Uh, Scott, a uh, question for you. Uh, out of all the uh, royalty packages with EMX, how many are currently uh, being paid out to the company? Um, three. And what percentage of uh, those royalty assets do you expect to be maybe possibly paying out over the next five years? Um, probably an additional, at least an additional three. Okay. And so, I would add uh, okay. Historica, and, um, and Balia. Yeah. As you're probably aware, Trevor, the, the timeline from discovery to production in the mining business is fairly long. But we've been doing this a long time. And so one of the advantages that EMX has is that this organically generated portfolio we have, in some cases, because we've been in business for a while, these projects like the ones that Scott just described in Turkey, you know, these are things we worked on 10, 15 years ago that are now reaching that production mm -hmm. uh, stage. And so they're, they're development projects that are moving to the production stage now. 
And so through time, we'll see iterations of these things coming online uh, in the future. But those are some of the initial ones that, looked, uh, that are closest to reaching, uh, reaching that point. But one thing we should point out that people forget and overlook a lot is that EMX is very clever with a lot of the way that we structure our royalty deals and that we typically put in advanced royalty payments as a requirement of our agreement structures. That means that even before the, the deposits developed into an operating mine, we receive cash payments or advanced royalties that are typically smaller in magnitude than a production royalty payment would be, but they're significant. And when you have so many properties around the world you know, 30 or 40 uh, royalty agreements that have these advanced royalty streams, those things iterate to a substantial contribution of cash flow to the company that totals mil uh, several millions of dollars a year for us across the company. And that's growing with time. And so not only do we receive the production payments, which is certainly the focal point of everyone's product, uh, attention, but we have large numbers of streams of smaller but significant advanced royalty payments that also continue with time and provide essential uh, cash flow of the company to fund our operations. Mm -hmm. Does the business structure of EMX provide strength in uh, really diversifying uh, the regions you, you 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 do the property gen generations on or, or acquire the royalties? And I guess I want to clarify, like, you have projects all over the globe, right? Um, I remember a couple of years ago uh, speaking... Uh, with my friend and mentor, Steve Enders, who's uh, affiliated with EMX, um, and he was talking about Haiti. Um, but, you know, what allows EMX to really throw such a wide net to where it does its, its, it does its exploration and project generation? Well, our business model allows us to cast such a wide net and uh, our business model is to engage opportunity. And of course, um, rocks live all over the world and perspective rocks, so we have to go where those uh, geologic opportunities are, assuming that the particular jurisdiction that we're uh, engaged in is uh, favorable. And does, does, it, does the accounting office appreciate that work? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes for a more complex um, uh, corporate structure, that's for sure, because we have to set up uh, separate uh, corporations to make sure that uh, we're utilizing the most um, tax-efficient uh, corporate structures that we can. This is a key advantage of our company. We've been doing this for so long. We have so much experience at country entry and you know, looking at new opportunities and new jurisdictions that we can make a country entry decision almost overnight in this group. Uh, we can call up the CEO and say, Dave, we need to be in country X, and I can be on the ground in three days. Mm -hmm. And uh, the setup for us, we know how to do that. We know where the pitfalls are. We're, we're well-versed in that. So this gives us a big strategic advantage in that we can move a lot faster than most other companies can to okay. do that sort of thing. And that's one of the ways we mitigate risk is to embrace exploration in a number of jurisdictions. Okay. Uh, I have one final question, and then I promise I'll let you two go. Um, but in your minds, what's going to be the biggest challenge EMX must uh, will be faced with, you know, over the next couple of months in the last months of 2018? I think it's That's a good question. Well, the uh, obvious one to me is that it's a continuing challenge. It's just not in this time frame, but it's just convincing the market that you know, we should be valued appropriately. With yes. This quality of assets that we have. And I think the completion of the sale of Malmish will lend some credence to, to that. 
And we, we believe that we should, yeah, there's, there's a lot of value here that's not reflecting our current share price. And our constant challenge is to try to encourage the market to see that. Yeah, I think once we realize that um, capital gain from the sale of Malmish, um, that'll send a message to the markets that, um, you know, we're never going to have to raise money again. And then, so that um, takes the overhang off of stock. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we will obviously be um, very positive cash flow at that point, and that will be a material change for the company, too. And that will really put us on the radar of a lot of institutional buyers. Sure. And, you know, and for some reason, now one thing I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about is that this has been such a focal point that it's sort of eclipsed all of our other activities. Uh, Malmish is significant. It's very important to the company. But in the in the back, you know, outside of Malmish, boy, we've been really active the last two years at, at expanding our portfolio. We're seeing a great rate of uh, of uh, acquisition in the company and, and deal flow, which provides this additional revenue stream. And then for some reason, Malmish, we're not the closest, not, not completely the end of the world. We have plenty of other things that we're going to be, uh, we, we work on and, and can capitalize to, to enhance the value of the company. So that's just one example of what we're doing. It's a good one. It illustrates the, uh, some of the nice uh, returns that we can generate with the, this business approach, but there's many others in the, in the company too. So I, I want to make sure that this puts everything else that we're doing because once it, when this transaction finishes, we just have more arrows in the quiver to keep doing what we've been doing. And everyone's excited to keep on the same path and continue to enhance the value of this company. There's a lot more under the hood than just that one, that one asset. Yeah. Well, I mean, full disclosure, I am a small shareholder in the company. And so I, I could ask you many, many more questions <laughs> from that point. Uh, but I promise to leave it at that. So Eric and Scott, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and uh, we appreciate everything uh, you've communicated to our listeners, and we look forward to uh, seeing news out in the next coming days, weeks, months, whatever it might be. And uh, best of luck to you and the company uh, this fall and through the winter. Great. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. Keep watching the news. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. My and affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.